Hey, I'm Danny Mazer, and you are listening to the Soul Stories Podcast, an extension of Soul Stories, where we are creating connection through dialogue. In this season, I speak with community leaders and creatives as we explore meaningful topics and the obstacles that they have encountered along their paths. It's inspirational, it's fun, it's complex. Delia is an artist and co-founder of Stained Arts. One of Delia's superpowers is being comfortable with quiet, both by herself and with others. In this conversation, you'll hear about how loving with intensity pushed her to take a huge leap in life and how she has learned to find comfort in uncertainty. Delia is someone I deeply love, and towards the end, you'll hear us talk about how our relationship has been so central to our growth. This is a special one. Enjoy. Hi, Delia. Hi, Danny. How's it going? It's going very well. Nice. Um, How's your day been? My day has been excellent. That's good to hear. That's a great adjective to use. How's your day been? You know, my day has been good because I got to learn some restorative justice work Mm. today. I'm getting trained on that, so that's nice. All right, let's let's jump in. Uh, Where did you grow up? Where are you from? Um, I am from Colorado. I grew up in Boulder. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What was it? What was it like growing up in Boulder? Um, It was interesting. It was a very peaceful, sweet childhood. Yeah. Yes. What are some standout experiences from growing up? Like, what were you like? What was your family like? What was your experience? Because Boulder is such an interesting place. It has such a strong connotation, at least in this area. Yeah, I think Boulder has a connotation of the of the recent past, but I think that that connotation used to be pretty different, um, which has been interesting to observe. But generally, growing up, my family was extremely close and sweet and um, lots of time together and exploring. And yeah, it was a very gentle childhood. Mm. I feel like when I go to your house in Boulder, I'm always kind of blown away by like the minimalism of it. Like it feels quiet. feels like you guys keep a quiet setup and there's just so many creative elements to it. It feels so different from what I had growing up. Like the actual house feels minimalistic. Yeah. I don't know. Like I don't, I w- maybe not decorative wise, but just there's a feeling of being okay with quiet when I'm at your house. Yeah, we definitely are. <laughs> So do you guys just sit around quietly all day? Yeah, definitely. It's a quiet, <laughs> quiet house. No, that's not true. My, I think, uh, well, yeah, I think that some of us, we all have our opportunities for quiet, mm. um, but we all can get quite loud. But I think quiet's really, it's a sweet thing. What's your relationship with that kind of space? Because I feel like you occupy that space really well, where you can sit in silence which I think is really uncomfortable for many people, including myself. Yeah, I just had this conversation yesterday, actually. Really? (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I think that I do create more silence in conversation than most people are accustomed to. And I feel 
like it's really important to do. I enjoy doing it and I know that it makes people uncomfortable. Mm. But I think partially what makes people uncomfortable is this idea that if it's quiet, it's because something is wrong or that they're like not meeting an expectation or that they're disliked in some way. And if you can figure out how to show a person that that's not what's happening while still like maintaining the speed of a conversation that you want to, it's really nice. Mm. So what would you say it offers a conversation having that space? I think being able to respond and also listen, like we're so quick to just fill it with whatever before we've really felt into whatever is actually happening. Um, or like give it a bit of intention before we respond to people. Mm. You know, we just kind of volley back and forth and it's so fast paced and a little overwhelming. Sometimes. Yeah. It can feel like we're just trying to keep it going. Yeah. Rather than like setting God intention. Knows what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the finish line? Right. <laughs> I also really enjoy, I think it's interesting to watch how people respond to quiet. It's like, you learn a lot about how somebody is going to deal with like a moment of silence. Yeah. What, what's your experience of that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, a lot varied. It's varied. I think that there are some people who I have observed who just fill it. They just babble and it almost, it almost feels like insanity. Like you <laughs> are just talking. Why are you telling me about this? I like why it doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. It probably speeds up their heart rate. Right. It feels like anxiety, like coming right out their mouth. Yeah. And other people I feel like get kind of miffed at the whole thing and maybe a little standoffish or def I don't know. It's all sorts of reactions. It's pretty interesting. For me, when you, when I was first adapting to this in our conversations, I remember being like, what is she thinking or feeling? Like, I feel like I have to know it. Like I, I like wanted to like pry, like I wanted to like get to know what was going on in your head and until I just like kind of let it go. I was like, oh, this is kind of how Delia operates. Some people do pry. She's <laughs> <laughs> almost the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, but you're, you're, uh, you can keep people out pretty good, you know? Like, I feel like when I, when I talk to people, when I describe you to people, I'll say she will always intentionally say what she wants to say. Like, I think when I say things, sometimes I say things I don't want to say because I just keep talking. Mm. And I feel like you, every word that comes out of your mouth feels like a choice. Like you made that choice to say that thing. Sometimes. Yeah sometimes not always though i don't think always i think it depends on the context and the tone of the conversation for I, sure i'm curious how this applies to your art because i feel like space and art have a really interesting correlation or relationship i guess would be a better word yeah i think they do too i think I've noticed in my art that there are definitive cycles mm. and there are cycles of it just being dead silent. <laughs> like and while I, you're creating? Mm, no, like in the course of my life, like just periods of it being like very active and periods of it being 
uh, very quiet. And I think like there are people who get really frustrated at those periods and feel like it's a, it's a block or whatever that they can't create through it. But I think that it feels more like it's a time of being like receptive and taking something in. And then that lasts for an hour or three months Mm. (laughs) and then you get to like push it back out. But I think if it didn't have like this wealth of quiet, the art just wouldn't feel the same. Interesting. So you feel, you feel like it's a cycle. You feel like there are moments where you just have to let that ride and be with it. Yeah. I think everything's a cycle. Mm. Just for a little background, what do you like to create? Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Recently, I've gotten a little crazy. Okay. That's good. <laughs> that sounds like art. Uh-huh. Um, I've been working with mirrors for like um, pretty much three and a half years. Um, just doing a bunch of strange projects with broken mirrors that have become kind of like sculptural or or at least structural. I don't really know what sculpture, what's the definition of sculpture? Hmm. I don't think they're sculpture. I don't know if I can answer that question. Okay. They're structural. Okay. They're three dimensional. Um, and yeah, I did a, maybe three or four different projects with broken mirror. And then I started doing this thing where I pair them. I like had, I mean, my whole apartment floor was covered with broken mirror. And then I would just start to find these like almost perfect matches where all three, they're usually triangles, which is like godly. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) That's like some biblical shit. It is some biblical shit. They're triangles. They match in these incredible ways. There's like some like serious like eroticism to the way that they fit together so almost perfectly and even when they're not perfect there's like something stunning to me about the mismatch why is that erotic i don't know i think because you're no this is not an actual reason but this is what you what you feel or think yes i think the matching process takes so long and you have to like really sift and be patient and be looking for things that you don't know you're looking for and be like open to finding whatever it is that you find and then when they fit there's just something of like a uh like feeling of being found type thing you know Mm. and you associate that with eroticism yeah i think eroticism feels like absolute presence and like connectedness to like energy or the world or another human or whatever it's like being totally embodied in that state and it's a sense of foundness, I think. What an interesting way to look at eroticism. Cause I mean, you could just think of eroticism as like lust, passion. No, that's pornography. <laughs> that's pornography. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So yeah. So tell us about, so you're, you're finding these triangles Right. And, and you're creating these structures. Okay. So like a year and a half ago, I started pairing them and I just had like jars of glued together pairs. So they're two sided back to back mirrors basically. And then right before our last liminal event, the tell, day before tell liminal, us about liminal liminal is this really lovely very dear project that Danny and I have been working on for two years. Yeah. 
It's a twice annual storytelling event that happens at the Mercury. It's just lovely. It's a lot of work, but it's um, beautiful. So sweet. Oh, it's so intense and transformational. I love it. The stories are so beautiful and deep. Yes. Yeah. And really, I mean, the storytellers are great, but more than anything, I think it's working with you and figuring out partnership and how to like have creative voice together that has been so cool yeah there's something and i want to talk about this a little later but there's something about the way we work together that is it's really really magical Mm -hmm. so it's the day before liminal okay so liminal is magical and all but events are also anxiety inducing yes (laughs) so it's the day before liminal i'm feeling very anxious i can't seem to do anything um and i just started making these like hangings in my bedroom of red thread and these mirrors and uh it's gone it's gotten uh almost out of control my bedroom is filled with thread and mirrors now Mm, like little shards hanging from the end right yes they're like death grief love play mirrors Yeah, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay. It's so funny to be, I'm, I also write poetry and I feel like very wary of symbolism. Like I think it's like often so poorly done and Mm. such a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And also sometimes amazing. Yeah. That's like the rest of life. Uh Yes. But mirrors I do feel like, I mean, they are reflective. They're reflective of light. They're reflective of shadow. They, they spin on of their own accord and like occasionally catch your eyeball, which is an interesting experience. And I think that they, you know, they reflect back something. It's the same as self portraiture. You take a, a photo and you like see something in yourself that you did not know was there. Mm. And you fuck around with mirrors enough and they like reveal all of these complexities. They reveal how joy and grief are like kindred spirits. And is there any insight you've like a specific insight you've gained from it? From the mirrors? Yeah. About yourself? Maybe that I'm more childish than I thought I was. Really? Yeah, I would like lay in bed for hours and just like watch them move. <laughs> yeah, like like almost like a like baby an with infant. A, with a, what are those called? Yeah. The things that hang above you. Uh-huh. Like I'm in awe of them as if they're like the most fascinating thing. And it slows me down. Really? Which is nice. Yeah. Totally. I mean, how often do we just lay in bed and not do anything? Oh, man. If I lay in bed and don't do anything, my head is just filled with, get the fuck up. It's time to work. It's time to do this. You need to be up. You're wasting every minute of your day. Yeah, that'll kill you. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) I feel like I'm slowly dying sometimes. (laughs) I'll give you some mirrors if you want them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like it just has captivated my attention in a way that I think art has the capacity to do, but it doesn't often do in our own homes. We go places to see art. And that's one of the nice things about 
being an artist or living with artists is you get to create this world that is like so like secretive like I feel like I'm creating little secrets when I hang these mirrors like they're holding something and I have to like study them and watch them in in quiet and without time for them to tell me what they need to tell me Mm. maybe I've gotten a little crazy yeah that's cool though (laughs) what a a cool idea because I mean we all live in our own little world we're always projecting and trying to figure out and et cetera, et cetera. And it's cool that you, your creative process gives you more access to your own world. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Does that feel true to you? Yeah. I think art generally serves as a way to process. Um, and like clear, there's like a clearing effect of like, we just carry, we just end up building so much gunk and trauma and experience and anger and all this shit we just build a lot of gunk and I think that when you make art it's got a bit of a clearing effect with which like allows you to connect better with people and with situations and stories and visions Mm. I appreciate that description because I I hear a lot of language around art being transformative Mm mm-hmm and I know it has a profound effect in my life, especially music, but I don't think it's often articulated like the subtleties of it and the nuances. Hmm. Um, yeah. Have you felt that has been transformative for your life or have you felt that the lack of it has had a negative impact on your life? The lack of what? Like periods of time where maybe you've fallen away from your art. I think when I'm in them, and less so now, but when I've been in them, it's been difficult to allow periods of like a lack of making. Mm. For sure. You're like, you start to question if you're even an artist. Like you question all of these things. It's like you lose all of your validity as a human being (laughs) but i think (laughs) i think it's how it feels i think it really can feel that way especially when you don't when you're not like centered in yourself as an artist and you're looking to all of these external things you're looking to see like how many projects did i complete this year and am i like actively working on things when you don't have a good barometer it's easy to feel that way so have you been in mindsets where it feels more quantity than quality Like were you more achievement focused rather than? I think with writing, yeah. Interesting. And not so much, well, yeah, definitely. Hmm. So you feel like when you're in like a slow pace of just being in your art, you're more connected to yourself? Definitely. What are other things that like connect you to yourself? Walking. Walking. (laughs) 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 I I don't, how, I don't feel so disconnected. Mm. I think most things that I do, I end up being able to 
feel pretty like in my body and in the moment with them mm. partially because of how I've built my life. Like I don't work for other people and I don't tend to do things that I don't want to do. And it's like pretty easy for me to continually touch base with where I'm at and then just move from there. I feel like you live a really courageous lifestyle in that. Like, not having a like a job like a job job where you're just income is what you mean income yeah I'm like I was like how do I even frame <laughs> this without this being offensive um, <laughs> I already got there <laughs> um, yeah without having like I mean I have a salary consistent income I know exactly what I'm gonna get every week um, what what has been that for you like why did you well, first can you give background on what those choices were and why you made those choices. I think people hate it when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. That's what we're all about at Soul Stories. Well, I think it's going to be in a different direction. That's all right. Great. Sometimes I feel like I've never made a decision in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I just talked about uh, on another podcast, if you're listening, if you want to listen to Jackson's episode, we talk about whether free will exists. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had that conversation with Jackson before. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that things just like happen in my life. And sometimes I feel like I am approaching a decision, but when it actually like, when I've actually like moved into it, like there is no decision. I feel like I am just in a current and it's just happening. And sometimes I'm like, Ooh, it looks like that's going to split up there. And like, which way am I going to go? And then I'm like, Oh, you, don't have a choice here (laughs) you're going that direction yeah you're definitely going left (laughs) um so yeah i don't feel like it was necessarily a choice um yeah and i also think that it was largely lacking any foresight like i think most people would not look at the way that i've structured my life and like think about it five years out and decide that like yeah, I'm going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And probably that's true for me too. I don't think I would have made that choice. But it's not anything you would go back on at this point. No, I don't have, I don't have a single regret in my life. I think, yeah, it's been awesome. But I think that there is like a, mm, like you're taking leaps of faith every day. Yeah. That I think can be difficult especially if you know that it's a leap of faith when you're just like at the edge and you're just doing it it's like what it is you know well can you give us more of a concrete background on what this is what this lifestyle is the choice you made or the current you followed put it in <laughs> your even follow it i was just in it the current that you were in so a little over four years ago well actually almost exactly five years ago i produced on October 5th I produced the first little zine that I ever made I was in college and I put together this like art and writing zine Mm. Um, and we had a release party and at that moment (laughs) like as I was getting ready to do this event I don't think I had ever once one time in my life stood in front of a microphone before ever And I suddenly had a room packed with people and I was 
about to stand in front of a microphone and introduce this project that I had brought to life and all of the people who had become a part of it and have some people perform and introduce all of them and, you know, just like suddenly run an event. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah. So I did this little zine for a while and... What was the zine called? It was called Coin Op. Coin Operated. It was about feminism. Nice. Yeah, it was uh, very much... It was much... There was great art in it. It was much less about the art and much more about providing a platform for people to rail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is cool. I mean, it was uh, it was really fun. It was sweet. During that time, I met Noah, Mr. Noah Kaplan. Mm. And he and I just got kind of dreamy and decided it would be a great idea to start a visual and literary art journal, basically. And... That started a whole lot of things. It's What's that journal you. called? That journal is called Stained Magazine. Nice. Yes. Uh, so we published, actually before we even published the magazine, we had started running events in Denver and all kind of with the focus of providing opportunities and audiences for emerging artists to do their thing. Mm. Um, so we released our first print magazine and also started a bunch of events and have been doing that for four years yeah which has been like deeply wonderful and so expansive and similar to the first ever release party that I had for my zine pretty much everything that I've started with it I never wanted to do and did not ever think I would do really oh yeah I mean now I run events. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> fair. And I get up on stages and talk to people and I talk about money and the arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talk about myself. It's all of these things that I'm like, if I had looked at it on a job description, like, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're creating this job for yourself. Right. Currents. Currents. And it's been like pretty all consuming. I think pretty much my whole community has is a part of this. And, you know, I've worked outside jobs for a while and now I don't I haven't for over a year. And it's risky for sure. It's like every day. It's a leap of faith. <laughs> I remember when you were going to make this decision to leave the coffee shop and go full on stained. And I remember hanging out with you. Do you remember going to play basketball mm-hmm. over by Sloan's Lake? When I almost bought that RV. When you almost bought the RV. <laughs> That's a really monumental day in our friendship to me for some reason. Hmm. I can't quite put my finger on it. It feels like a big day for, hmm. for me at least. I think it's because you did take such a leap of faith. It was something, I think at the time I was nervous about for you maybe even jealous like whoa like i can't believe she is willing to do this like to like really jump off the cliff mm-hmm. what has the leap of faith done for your life what is it done for the people around you i don't know yeah uh, <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> my instinct was to say that it's fucked it all up <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, say it. <laughs> my life. But I don't think that's true. I think that it has <laughs> it has put a pressure on for sure. It has made me like pretty loudly identify to myself what my purpose is and what I'm driving towards and it's initiated so much work on my own shit. Mm. Like I've had a really difficult time with, with money things. And in the past 10 months or so, like I have worked through so much of my own like self, um, Yeah, like a like a validation thing, like this need to have external validation type thing, this need to have somebody like tell me what my salary should be, um, mm. having like no ability to validate my own work. It's pretty much where I started like a year ago. Just <laughs> feeling like you couldn't validate your own work? Or yeah, you? it was like, why, who am I to get a salary doing what I love doing? Interesting. Like um, you felt undeserving of it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody in the world should have the opportunity to decide what it is that they're worth and, like, set their own salary. It is very difficult. Yeah. And it just became this whole thing of, like, am I deserving? And am I comfortable asking other people for money in order to fund my own life, you know? And am I going to create all of these, like, stipulations around that it's been a ride (laughs) yeah wow i honestly didn't know these things and i think that's really interesting it reminds me of the idea of just like stepping outside of your comfort zone and how that pushes you to grow and become a fuller version of yourself definitely yeah i think the thing that is really a blessing about it is that a lot of times we talk about stepping outside of our comfort zone and we can like pretty easily step back in. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think when it's a financial thing, I mean, yes, at any point I could have gotten another job and figured my financial thing out, you know, but I'm like pretty strong willed about things and I was going to do it as long as I could and was going to put what I had to into it and see where it took me, you know? And it's like, like you just take these big leaps and they're very cold and scary, but they're also so worth doing. And it's, I think, yeah, I think it's good to have the comfort zone a little further in the background, a little harder to get back to. Like if I were to take another job, it's sacrificing all of these other things that I have started, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I It's so interesting because I think when I step outside of my comfort zone, I if the comfort zone's right behind my back, I find myself having to step back in, step back out, step mm-hmm. back in, step back out. And like each time I take like a few further steps and eventually it works out. But this was like, the water's down there and I'm going to go swimming and I can't climb back up Mm -hmm. with this decision. Yeah. I mean, you could climb back up. It just would take a a lot more to get back to it. Yeah. And I honestly feel like there's something like there's a spiritual element to it. That's like, you know, if once you're down in that water, like I don't know, 
I think it's a little damaging to climb back up. I think that you can, you know, move out of the water and go on the other bank or stay in the water. But I think like the going backward thing, I think feels almost detrimental. Hey all, it's Danny here. If you like what you are hearing, please consider supporting us through Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get access to bonus podcast content and help us build the movement. You can find a link in the episode description. Now, let's get back to the episode. What do you mean? Like, how do you feel like that could damage you? Um, I think that I have always been the, I have no idea if this is ever going to connect back. Great. Let's keep moving. (laughs) Swimming through the waters, following the currents. So many water metaphors today. (laughs) I think that I've always been somebody who loves really hard. Like I just love hard it's not possible for me not to I'm like pretty intense about things and not necessarily all in like I'm grounded and centered but I'm I just love hard and I think like having gone all in on this project it's like you just can't really then like step halfway back Mm. You know, like you can take it to the end of its road, but you have to be fully in, like you have to be just all in on it and you don't know where it's going to go or what, you know, what's going to happen with it or like what your needs will be and how those will shift. And again, everything has its cycle. And I think that things like come to their natural end of the cycle And so it's not about like a hard headedness of like, I said I would do this thing and I'm going to do it until I die. But I do think that there is something of like loving very fully. And when you're in it, like being fully, fully in it. Like a hundred percent committed. Yeah. And devoted and just adoring every part of it. And you know, when like the, like death part of the life death life circle has come around understanding that and moving into it but until it's there be in it you know yeah that's been something i've struggled with definitely most of my life Hmm. is like i am i tend to waffle i tend to be in and out in and out in and out until i'm all the way in and i've only learned how to be all the way in within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely relate to that being damaging. Mm-hmm. It's damaging to the project I'm working on or damaging to the person I'm with or damaging to myself because it's like creating this like whirlwind and distraction from actually doing what I love or being with who I want to be with. Yeah, I have closed down a number of projects in my lifetime. (laughs) And it's interesting, like, again, I just don't feel like I make choices. But 
like when they come to the point that I'm like, oh, I'm done here. I'm walking away. It's like, I feel like I am able to walk away knowing that I did what I needed to do with it, mm. that I wasn't timid about it. I was like going to do what I had to do and put it all out there. And like I used to make these earrings and I would sell them. They actually sold decently well. I bet. But at some point I was just like, oh, I'm completely done with this project. And it was nice to walk away from it and feel like I no longer had these like strings of like hope or ownership or um, like a want for it to have become something that it never did. It just was like, that was such a uninformative experience. And I'm so glad that I did that. And uninformative. Huh? Uninformative experience. And informative oh i was like oh interesting take on that (laughs) (laughs) that'd be fun (laughs) um yeah when i'm working on something honestly so this happens this reminds me of just like things just being temporary Mm -hmm. and the idea of friendships and relationships and creative projects and jobs what what have you serving a time and a purpose that makes me sad sometimes that that like that there's not this like everlasting quality to things you know like like sometimes i i just yearn for that permanence you know like permanence in the structure of something or like in like something measurable i think about friendships that i've been in and when I've been deep in them and so happy to be in them and so excited to see that person or whatever. And then for what, whatever reason, energy fades. Some people last longer than others. Some people have lasted for many, many years at this point. And many have just like been there for time periods, mm-hmm. similar to creative projects. And I just think back and I go, wow, that's kind of sad. Like I, w- I wish I could still share that space instead of feeling like a memory. Hmm. That's interesting. I never felt that. You never felt that. <laughs> no. I mean, I, <laughs> I really have a lot of love for everybody who's ever been a, an important person in my life, even if we just don't get along at all anymore. Um, and maybe ha- have felt like moments of nostalgia, but I'm totally fine with people not being in my life. <laughs> 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 and if they ever re-entered it would be with a big hug but it's like but it's okay that it's it's ended yeah it's feels very natural it's like the way forests burn you know and mm, that's a really beautiful metaphor sorry if anybody's listening I don't talk to you anymore <laughs> yeah, I actually had that thought. I was like, I wonder if somebody not that you're not friends with anymore is listening. <laughs> but it was, you know, you said you'd give him a hug, so definitely. If you're listening, Delia owes you a hug. I don't owe anybody a hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. I guess not hilarious. Maybe that was mildly funny. You know, I got to be careful about how I define hilarious. Oh, is that a 
something that you struggle with? I say hilarious. I say, I just say like the biggest thing. I do too. In reaction to most things, you know? Yes. Noah calls me on that all the time. Really? Yes. Actually, that's almost what I thought of when you said that every word that I choose is like a, like I've chosen it because everything that I talk about is in extremes. Oh, interesting. I don't know why. It's because I do know why. I think that we're all afraid that we're not going to be taken seriously. We're all like, (laughs) nobody's going to pay attention to me if I don't let them know how bad this headache is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're funny with that because in my experience of you, you'll just be like hanging out, chill, quiet, talking. And then like all of a sudden you'll be like this fucking headache. (laughs) And it'll like come out of nowhere. And I'll be like, whoa, where did the headache come from? (laughs) Well, sometimes it can be played with. Like, I think that coming from quiet into like shock value is interesting for sure. But when it's everything that like at every turn, it's the most extreme come off it, you know? Yeah. You're not like that though, in my opinion. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to tell. When I'm walking by my kids, like the kids I work with, they, you know, they're always like going through things. So I just walk up to them and I'll be like, Hey, and I'll like say it really loud at them. Like I always try to shock them into like being weird and like also like kind of like flatly saying it while saying it loud. Mm-hmm. And they're always just like, you know, mm-hmm. just to like, cause I feel like we often when we're walking around, we get stuck in these mindsets and it can be helpful to shock the system a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Disruption's important. Ugh, it really is. So important. Yeah. Disruption's your word. No. Subvert is your word. I got a lot of words, Danny. Disruption and subvert are the two words I feel like I associate with you. Really? Yeah. Somebody was saying, they're like, I want my project to disrupt. And I was like, you can't say that. That's what Delia <laughs> says. In my, I didn't say that in my, to them, but like in my head, I was like, don't use that word. That's A lot it. of people use that word. I know it's really popular, but I, I just have it such a like, so I like protect it with you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I've accomplished it. It's a really ridiculously hard thing to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that also goes to my take on like social change and stuff. We've really dulled down the definition of social change. Hmm. we are constantly telling each other how much we've made an impact. You mean as like organizations? Organizations, people working with people in the mental health field that I'm in, in activist circles. It either feels like we really hype up how much impact we're making or it feels like we really hype up how hopeless everything is. Totally. It's partially why writing grants is like the worst thing ever the worst thing ever you see what i did there it's not the worst (laughs) thing ever (laughs) it's partially why writing grants is trying Mm. because it's like you have to hype it up you have to identify this need and make it dire and you know that hundreds of other people are doing the same thing and it's like this shit isn't dire like (laughs) Yeah, our world feels crazy. It feels like it is crumbling. And I feel like the things that are going to heal it are very important. But do we need to talk about it in like the most dire terms? Right. Especially just sitting in Denver, Colorado with local creative projects and nonprofits. Yes. 
on the scale of things, you know, irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of, right? You know? No, like wonderful to participate in and important to the soul, but like worth i don't know it's just strange it's very strange i was talking to one of my bosses at work and i was like oh yeah you guys don't need me and she's like oh no like danny you're so important to this organization etc etc like do you know how like valuable i was like yeah but like let's be honest if i quit tomorrow you'd find somebody else and you'd forget that i even exist i was like i've worked around here long enough to like see that process you know and I don't think we want to admit that, but like, I do think there's some, there's a kernel of truth to it. It's like you, when you're in the role and you're doing the thing, you're making the impact. That's amazing. But like, also we're just one. Yeah. There's plenty of people who can create things and do things to make this world better too. Yeah. That's not to discredit or say, don't do it. It's just to kind of remove the specialness out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we like feeling special, though. Yeah, we're the special generation. Mm-hmm. We're the millennials. But we are special. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> How special we are? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. We're not special anymore. We are special. Okay, good. Whew. Well, if you're listening at home, I hope you know you're special. For the most part. <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> You're special in the way that everybody is special. Yeah, which is not special. Right. If we're all special, nobody's special. Yes, that's true. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Many. What do you what are some beliefs that you would like to share with us? <laughs> I feel like spirituality and creativity go really well together. Yes, I think they're the same. Interesting. What does that mean? I mean, I think it's back to that sense of eroticism. I think that eroticism and spirituality and this is a hot podcast are are also the same. Okay. It is a hot <laughs> podcast. Just so you know, we're making really intense eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think those three forms all carry like a sense of presence and being guided uh like intuition feels extremely prominent in all three of those Mm. it feels like they're all movement which is intuition i think it's like you're just moving into it like wherever you're the current's taking you you're going yeah (laughs) i think that there's an enormous really enormous layer of the unknown that's just laid over all of those things like all of these energies and drives and curiosities that i don't even, i mean they're just they feel so unknown and un unwilling to be pinned down and defined and kind of are the spine through all of those things like they just push it all like creativity as like the exploration of the unknown spirituality as the exploration unknown. What was the third one? Eroticism. Eroticism. Had you forgotten? I no, 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 no. I never (laughs) forget that one. I don't know that it's so much the exploration of the unknown. It more feels like the unknown is birthing them. 
if you're going to engage uh, in any of those acts, if you're going to engage in spirituality or creativity or eroticism, you are like in the realm of the unknown. Like you don't have a choice. That's where you are. That's where they exist. It's like where they're being housed. I wonder if that's why it's so hard to understand them. Yeah, I don't think that they want to be understood. I think if we did, the magic of them would be gone. Spiritual moments feel like synchronicities or moments of incredible clarity or visions. And there are all these things that are like so magical when they happen. You're like, oh my God, how did my brain just imagine this scene and I suddenly have some clarity on whatever I'm thinking about. And maybe I can't define that, but I know, like I deeply, deeply know something. Mm. And the magic and the play of it, of allowing that vision to happen and to be some like unknown knowledge deep within you is so cool. And if you could learn it, if you were like, well, okay, well, I saw this vision because of this, this, and this, and like this, this, and this force, and therefore this needs to happen. Like fucking boring. We wouldn't <laughs> care about that. We wouldn't even listen to it. I we mean, would that observe sounds these like things. every religion though. Well, yeah, I don't believe in religion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking boring can be used, you know? Yeah. I think fucking boring in regards to religion I think when it's dogmatic and it doesn't allow for mystery. I think so too. I think when you are not asking questions, I don't really know what the hell you're doing. If you're not asking questions actually like confused. Yeah. (laughs) And then not to say that you need to be like in a place of like strife and uncertainty, but I think you have to be curious. Like there has to be some, like I want to, I want to ask about what what the what life is and what I just I want to ask those things. I don't want to be told it. It's boring. I won't listen to you, you know? Yeah. Like ask them as in just ask them or ask them with like the inclination to explore or just to like meditate on it. Yeah, any, I think. But just having the permission to ask. There's so many religions that are just like well, this is the way it is because this is the way it is. Yeah. And that's confounding to me. I don't know how anybody authentically buys into that. I'm like, if you didn't figure it out for yourself, what the hell are you, what are you doing? Well, do you think they're afraid? Yeah, everybody's afraid. Yeah. I mean, when I get in those places of wanting answers, I feel like I'm afraid. We're all afraid for sure. How do you deal with that? Like existential fear? Can you ask me a smaller question? <laughs> yeah, that's a big <laughs> question. Um, how do you deal with the moments where you want certainty, even though like it's clear that you formed a belief in trying to be in uncertainty? Um, Another question? Well, no, that's good. I think that's. I think I can work with it. Okay. <laughs> I think, I mean, I still feel like a sapling. I'm learning a lot. Mm. I think that if there's something that I really want to feel certain about and I don't, 
I like throw my weight against it and I push on it and I like tap it and I knock it over and I like shake it around and I do what I can to get an answer out of it. And I think I ultimately come to this place of, I mean, it's just like a humbling experience to try to demand something that's not going to give over to you. And then it just becomes like breath. (laughs) At some point you're just like, you know, you've worked really hard at something and you've beaten your fists against it and you're breathing hard and then it's like oh damn like I just have to sit here and breathe I just have to breathe and trust that what I need to know I know and what I don't know I'll know when I need to know it felt like you were just talking about letting go I've never said that (laughs) I put those (laughs) words in your mouth um, I do think that there's a letting go. It's like a, it's like a, th- a demanding of something and then a recognition that like you're not going to be given that just because you fucking threw your foot around, you know, mm. like threw your foot around. I mean like stomped the ground. Yeah. Like a Did tantrum almost. Yeah, sure. Throwing your foot around sounded like dancing jigs, Irish jigs. Yeah. It could be Irish jigs. Sure. There is a letting go. There's a release of control of it, of just saying like, okay, I don't have an answer to this. Is it worth pursuing anyway? Am I going to be able to keep living in the world without knowing this one thing? Like, can I find calm and peace in that? Can I just be all right with it? Can I step into that unknown and like see where the waters go? Mm. Yeah, there's... I know the feeling of like thrashing for myself mm-hmm. and it can be a really brutal process and hard to know that you're in it sometimes mm-hmm. and hard to be like reflective enough to be like, Oh wow. I'm kind of throwing a tantrum in a way. I need to take a step back for a moment. Mm-hmm. Even though I think the process of going through that is important. How do you figure out when you're in that? How do I know that that's what I'm doing? Yeah. When you need, you know, it sounds, it's similar to what we were talking about. Or this, I'm connecting it to how you took this leap of faith, right? To let go of a consistent, secure income, to pursue your art, to pursue stained. There's like this letting go process to jump into the leap of faith. And I feel like the thrashing happens right before the leap of faith. Yeah. I think when you're resisting in that way you you're out of rhythm and i think like sometimes you don't realize that you're out of rhythm but i think for the most part you know like everything is just off kilter if you're not if you're not beating with it you're beating against it and i don't know rhythms are so felt they're like so in our bones like when we're in i think when you're out of the current or you're out of the rhythm like you can be so distracted by whatever you're thrashing against but like everything else in your body knows that you're out of the rhythm mm. and pretty quickly it's gonna enter your brain and you're gonna be like oh oh i'm out of the rhythm like i gotta i gotta re-enter here yeah and so does it require them like an awareness of your body yes because that's something i think it's uh, a skill develop develop at least for me it's been the skill to listen to my body it's taken 
many years to learn how to. Yeah, I think we're born with it and that it's pretty quickly whipped away from us. Yeah. I can think about like being 23 and just like consuming so much candy. Oh, yeah. And being like, like saying to people like, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not aware of my body. I just like, don't know. And like, I could not even imagine saying that right now. Like, I feel like I'm so in tune with my body now. Yeah, I do too. But it definitely, like, I think you have to, like, something's got to fuck you up a little bit in order for you to get, because it takes work to reconnect. It's emotional. It's pretty uncomfortable. And it can lead you to make decisions that are not necessarily accepted by society, I think. Because if you're just up here at Cerebral or you're just in your head or you're just listening to the outside, then you at least can belong to this greater society we hope to belong to, you know? Yeah. Yes. I think maybe that's why like it, it, it almost feels like it can't be a decision, but something that you can't not do something that you absolutely have to do because people do not like it. <laughs> and you have to be so sure of what you've done for yourself, for your, for your dreams, for your vision that it does not matter what people are going to say about it. And yeah, you have to be in your body in order to be in that place of like, this is what needs to happen. Like to access that knowing. What does it feel like when you get to that? Like, how do you, what's the positive feelings you have when you can step into that place? Um, I think when I'm not in that place, I feel like, everything is jammed up like everything's just jammy like I can't Mm. do anything (laughs) (laughs) and when I am in that place of knowing it's like I feel like air can move through my body better Mm. like it's just less difficult everything just feels less difficult like you can rest I I think I I would agree with that I was just talking to Chelsea, who I bring up a lot on this podcast and she's been on it about that feeling of like when I'm overthinking and like, am I right? Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I right? Am I like simple things can feel so exhausting when I'm just obsessed with external validation or what have you. And when I, when I find moments of letting go man, I just, I, I, I'm just happier and the things are, decisions are so much simpler. That felt so complex for, for moments. Yeah. I think that I've learned that no matter what you decide to do, there are going to be plenty of people who say that that was a horrible decision. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it can be really difficult to be people who are leading because it's not just your life that you're impacting. You're making a decision that is going to affect whoever else is involved. And yeah, it can be difficult. It's hard not to obsess over it. But I also think that like, I mean, it matters. Of course it matters, but really maybe it doesn't. Like it's just, you just, you're going to make the moves that you make and step into what you step into and then respond from there. And as long as you're able to respond and like, look at the consequences and what circumstance you're currently in, you'll be fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, 
because we're all flawed. So I'm not. Oh, damn. Wow. Well, we should just stop the podcast. We found the. Um, anyways, that wasn't even a good joke. <laughs> I was like, so I feel like I had such a good joke going into that. And then something just like fell out. And I was like, damn, that was not funny, Danny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I. Uh, oh, man, that just made me think about how I think I'm so funny. Um, you are funny, but in like a specific kind of way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. I think it's interesting because we're all flawed. We don't want to believe that we're flawed. We make a decision that's flawed. It has consequences and we fight so hard or we, whoever, some of us, myself will fight so hard to maybe cover it up or not respond to it. And it's like, Oh, it didn't happen. You know, I've had bosses who, who like, were just like, what? That didn't happen. You know, it's like, wait, that wait, that just happened. And when you encounter moments where you do it or somebody else does it and they just respond to it and they just be like, Oh, I recognize that and I will shift or I'm sorry. And I will shift or I'll do this. It's like the most relieving thing in the world. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful Mm -hmm. and more rare than you would think. Mm -hmm. At least in my experience. Okay. What do I say? Did you want me to respond to that? Uh, only if you had a response. Don't. Great. Um. This is such a fun interview. It's because we love each other. Why do we love each other? <laughs> that's not the easiest question to answer. Yeah, that's a real... Uh, we could do like a three-hour podcast on that maybe. Yeah, I mean, why do you love anybody? I think we love each other because I really believe through and through. I believe that we like maybe not attract people, but meet people or are receptive to people or whatever who are going to like mirror something in us that we need to learn. Like 100% believe that. And I feel like I've learned more with you than with most of the people that I've ever met. I feel that way too. Like you challenge me a lot. Really? You think that? Yeah. I know that you challenge me, but I sometimes I question if I challenge you. Oh, how do I challenge you? Oh my God. Every way up, up, down, left, right, sideways. You challenge me. Hmm. I could explain <laughs> it, but I want to hear how I want to hear your response first. Well, are you going to explain it though? I could, if you want me to. No, at some point. Um, I think that you, I mean, in part because of what our friendship has looked like and the work that we've done together, like you have pulled my ego out so many times. It's crazy. I did not really know that I had as much of an ego. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think that I, I felt competitive with you, which I don't normally feel. Yeah. I felt I think, that with you too for a long time. Like what the fuck? I don't I know. know where that comes from or why. I'm a competitive person, so I know that. But I don't feel that with you anymore. No, I'm not. Uh, well, and I'm not competitive. And it's like, 
surprising like i don't know there's just something maybe like a frankness in our relationship that has opened up the doors for us to be i don't know like there's a we're just there's just a some strange state that we enter into like in a in a sibling kind of way almost where like you pull things out of me that like nobody else does and i don't know why you do really can you give a concrete example well, the ego thing. Oh. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know a concrete example so badly. Oh, God. Okay. I mean, I can think of so many. And mostly, I think that they come down to liminal because it's when we've been the most, like, in a closed space. Like, we're going to get to a place together i am not just gonna say well forget about this i can just like walk away from this conversation you know yeah we're in it we're both committed to it it's like we're just there's just like a we're just stuck together (laughs) 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 but there have been like so many weird moments of like feeling like i have to get ahead of you or something or like somehow be better than you at it I um, felt that with you too. Yeah. Like why? I don't know. It's weird. I think for a while our organizations were t- a little too similar and I felt like this has actually always been true. Well, no, I felt like a, like a scarcity thing. Yeah. You know? And I think it was like, I don't know. I really don't know. But we have a different relationship than I have with anybody. And I think it just brings out like the closer that you are. And given that we both are like holding very dear, our own creative projects makes things pressurized. Yeah. Well, I think soul stories was, I quit soul stories just around the time that our collaboration or I was just getting back into soul stories right around the time our collaboration with liminal started and really yeah like it wasn't long after that I came to you being like hey I I think I found the collaboration that we can do together and it's a storytelling event and I don't think that was like very long after soul stories just restarted Mm. And Stained was rolling at that time. Stained really, that is when like, I felt like you first hit a stride and I was just kind of blown away by, you know, we've already talked about blown away by your willingness to commit your willingness to love hard on your project and what that looked like and how you would spend. Like I remember at that time, if I spent like an hour after work, I'd complain about it or something, you know? And I remember just like witnessing you and watching you work for three, four, five hours into the night, you know, and on like your off days and knowing that you had seven work, seven days a week of working. And I was like, in my heart, I was like, I want that so bad. I want what she has. I want that like willingness to not be pushed around like the wind. Like I want that like willingness to f- fly into the storm and just go after it. And I didn't have it at that time. And your, our relationship has pushed me like now I feel like rock solid. Like, and I feel like I can work 
hours and chase this dream and not worry about it and not complain and feel so good in it. And I don't think I'd be at this place if I hadn't met you or joined our partnership slash friendship. So, yeah, I mean, I credit you a lot with what's happening for soul stories and with soul stories, just your inspiration. Mm. And if anybody has watched Dragon Ball Z and knows the characters Vegeta and Goku, that's how I feel me and Delia are for each other. Sometimes Which one am I? Sometimes I'm Vegeta and she's Goku. Sometimes Vegeta? Vegeta. That yeah. is not its name. Yeah, they're all based on like vegetables, I think. Like Piccolo, um, Gohan, and anyways. Uh-huh. Yeah, but Vegeta is... I can't. <laughs> you want this metaphor? I want to go into yeah, this metaphor. <laughs> Vegeta is like ego-driven and jealous and very strong, but like follows follows the, the want to be the better of the two. And Goku is like a symbol of like Zen almost. Like he's kind of lazy sometimes, but he like also is just riding what's happening and he's only fighting to be stronger within himself. And so it's like, it's, it, and he's like happy go lucky and Vegeta's like brooding, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I felt me and you both enter both characters in our partnership at different times yeah i don't know what dragon ball is but yes i I do and i think i i mean i am more than ever i just believe in cycles i really do and i and i feel like you and i have entered into this really nice one that can be difficult sometimes but i do think that we shoulder each other at different points and like one of us is always going to be calm yeah and often both of us are and that's really nice and often one of us is like fucking pinging off the walls (laughs) and it's nice that one in this partnership is always stable and can be like you know these are our values and this is why we're here this is why we love each other that's really sweet i mean i think without that like there's no way (laughs) no there's no way I was just thinking about, I was texting you. I was like, have you responded to those two storytellers yet? Like three days in a row. Mm-hmm. I was like panicking over like the smallest thing. And you're just like, yeah, it's an email response. We're fine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I appreciate reflecting on that. And it feels nice to just like name it and own it and, space together you know Mm kind of makes me feel closer to you Mm -hmm. cool well this feels uh this feels good is there anything you want to say as we wrap up no that was really sweet thanks danny yeah thank you Delia. thank you for taking the time to listen to the soul stories podcast these conversations are very special to me After each one, I feel more connected to myself and the community our team is building. I hope you are able to walk out with something for your own life and the journey you are on. I would love and greatly appreciate if you could leave a review or share this episode with someone you care about. It all helps Soul Stories grow and make the impact we hope to make. Until next time, this is Danny signing off.